Jesus. Hallelujah. You've been so good. Yeah, You've been so faithful. Oh, good. we worship you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Lord. Hallelujah. Well, you can be seated. Amen. So, you be seated. <laughs> it was so much. <laughs> worshiping, worshiping the Lord, he didn't hear me say you could sit. <laughs> you know, I, I just want to read you. Okay, so Nancy Dufresne, who is my pastor, who is pretty famous now <laughs> all over the place on TV. But... Uh, she went, went on a tour right after her husband died and went to uh, like 10 churches in, in this area that are uh, under Fresh Oil Fellowship. And, um, and she said the same sermon to every church except ours. <laughs> and what she talked about actually was, what, what did she talk about? She talked about Oh, I mean, I mean, uh, at the other churches, about finances. She talked about finances. She know we didn't need it. <laughs> no, I mean, well, the Holy Ghost, she said. Oh, now, I just want to read just a tiny bit, but we'll get a, a little bit, maybe about an hour or so before the service. I was in my hotel room, and the Spirit of God began dealing with me tonight and changing the sermon. For me, that's fine with me because I just come to see what he's got to say as well as you have, you know. And uh, what he says will make a difference for us if we'll listen. And I've had something rolling around on the inside of me for a couple of weeks. But tonight in the hotel room before service, that it stood up inside of me and God began to pose the question to me. And this is the question that had been rolling around on the inside of me over the past couple of weeks. How big do you think Jesus' congregation was? <laughs> it depends on what you call a congregation. I said it depends on what you call a congregation because if you're, we're careful, we can miss it. Uh, that's a word we can misdefine a congregation. A congregation, well, it's a gathering of people, but too many times we concoct our own image and definition of Jesus' ministry. I'm talking about his earthly ministry, and we kind of start comparing, and we start measuring, and we start thinking we're not reaching the measurement. And for the last several weeks, this has been going around. How big do you think my congregation was? We didn't say how many people followed him. There were a lot that followed him, but even Jesus recognized they were only following because they saw a miracle. They weren't following because they wanted a change on the inside. They weren't following because they wanted life to be different. They weren't following because they wanted to come in line with God's will. They were following the show. And let me tell you, he was the biggest show in town. Isn't that right? I mean, you talk about demonstration and spectacular things. But many did not come to be changed. They came to be spectators and observers. Those are not congregation members. I think we need to pay attention to some of this because sometimes we have started measuring things by what we think success was. And let me tell you what success. It's fruit bearing. Success is fruit bearing that you're complying with the word and bearing the fruit of the word in your life. 
And I would dare to say the multitudes that followed Jesus were not all fruit-bearing. And just because people were gathered and just because people came to spectate and watch the show does not mean they came to bear fruit. It doesn't mean they came to be like him. Does that make sense to you? <laughs> and this is what God began to talk to me about tonight before I came to the service. So I'm just going to wander through these things that God has to say to us tonight and we need to think right and be encouraged so we don't start measuring the effectiveness of our own lives, which I've done many times, because <laughs> I'm blaming it on to myself, of our own ministries and start looking around because there are a lot of gatherings of the earth that are a lot larger than the church gatherings, but they're not effective. Yes. At rock concerts, they have some of the biggest crowds in the world. And afterwards, you got trash everywhere. You got all kinds of suicidal things all kinds of per per perverted things going on. Don't think that large gatherings equal success. It's fruit bearing that equals success. And it's about time for the church to quit measuring according to natural standards. The natural things in saying, well, see, we're not having an effect. I tell you what, you could have five people who came to a service to move with God, and you're going to have greater fruit than 50,000 who came to spectate. Don't ever look at what is here in this place and start thinking it's less. I can't t can I tell you something? There was a man who was quite a student of the Azusa Street Revival. You know his name, and if I said it, but I won't say his name, and he spent time and many hours talking to my husband and me years ago, and he made a statement, and he said, have you ever heard of the Azusa Street Revival? Yes. How many people here have heard of it? Yeah. 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 It was... Uh, about a hundred years ago, and the baptism of the Holy Spirit came back. Yeah. Yeah. What, 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 uh, uh, Margaret and Sherry and Ron and Margaret's husband went to the hundred-year anniversary, didn't you, down in uh, San Francisco? Los Angeles. I should have known that. <laughs> Los Angeles. And it was it was a revival of the baptism of the Holy Ghost, really. Um, where was I? That word, the influence of that went all over the world. And guess how many people were present? They never had over 90 people at Azusa Street. Never. Miracles over miracles over miracles over miracles. Over mir I mean, one lady, she came in and she was dying and she was so skinny like she, you know, 75 pounds or something. Now, this is different. And at that meeting, she filled out. <laughs> I mean, most of us want to fill in. <laughs> Which is unusual, but she was healed, and, and immediately, he... <laughs> and I, I can remember there's a book, book on it. We've got it in the bookstore. And the church, but, and yet today, there was only, there was never more than 90 people present, and yet today we still talk about the influence and the fruit of that move. And the church has sadly gotten off and started following things. That's about a mismeasurement. It's really a carnal man and a natural man's definition of success is the amount. <laughs> And that's not the right fruit coming out of those places. 
I wanted to say this to you. This is what I had in my heart. Don't lose heart because there is fruit here in this church that brings glory to the Father. And that is what is important to heaven, and that is your success. Amen. Let go of human ideas because this has been something the Spirit of God asked me several years, several weeks ago, how big, how much fruit is the congregation? And I said, I, well, I can't answer that. I do know that multitudes followed him, but we know that doesn't mean that was his congregation to speak. So I want to congratulate these pastors and this congregation by the Spirit of God. And she was never here before. Or was, was she here? Maybe not. And his congregation, by the Spirit I say this, you have done your best and you have followed the Spirit and providing a place that fruit bearing could happen and that matters to the Father. I said that matters to the Father. It's not about how many showed up. It's about how many, how many were changed, how many went out and were the example and the representative of the Father God to the people just in their daily lives. Amen. Because what can happen in smaller communities? Listen, I was raised in one. We can start measuring and thinking we're not doing much. If we're bearing fruit, we're obeying all that God put in our heart, and that is all God requires of us. And he will be pleased, and we can live fulfilled, uh, a fulfilled life and satisfied knowing that we're doing all we know to do. Well, I skipped a lot of parts, as you can see. But that's all I'm going to say. So that confirms with me, though. <laughs> the sermon, the name of the sermon is Danger Lukewarm. I was going to talk on authority, but you know what? And we are living in a season of Jesus' return. For sure we are. Whoa, there's no doubt. I mean, man, that's... <laughs> All the stuff that's happening is, is like what I thought we'd be already raptured. So go to Revelation 3, 12 through 14. Yeah, uh, is that what I wanted? Hmm. Something that's something's not right with my. Sound about this. Yeah. Okay, 12 through 14. Okay. He, he who overcomes is victorious. I will make him a pillar in the sanctuary of my God. He shall never be put out of it or go out of it, and I will write on him the name of my God and the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem which descends from my God out of heaven in my own new name. He who can hear, let him listen and heed what the Spirit says to the assemblies. And to the angel, the messenger, church, there's, there's angel messengers of the assembly church 
and Laodicea write. These are the words of the Amen, the trusty and faithful and true witness, the origin and beginning and author of God's creation. Okay, we'll go to verse 15 pretty soon. Now, Jesus called himself a faithful and true witness. Faithful means consistent and constant. Faithful. People faithful are full of faith. It's consistent and trustworthy and constant. True means he will only speak truth, even if it is not delightful, but he speaks truth because he loves us. A false witness, now, see, a false witness, even in a church, lies and flatters. And he only tells you what you want to hear at the expense of what you need to hear. It's like dishonest salesmen. He, see, Jesus comforts and builds, but not at the expense of neglecting to tell you the truth. He loves and forgives, but he also chastens and corrects because he considers you his son and daughter, just like, just like you would. Verse 15, I know the record of your works. And what you are doing, you are neither cold nor hot. Would that you were cold or hot. So he said, now he, I, works and not intentions. I know of the record, uh, let's see, of your works, not your intentions. <laughs> see, the road to hell is paved with good intentions. How did he know the condition? See, you can know the word of God, but you've got to be a doer of it. You've got to act on the word. And that means a more, 10 times more than we think it does. The more revelation knowledge you get of the word of God, the more you, the more you can see that in your life. See, I, I look at my own life and I go... He thought you were a doer of the word, you weren't. <laughs> but it means you have to grow. And God takes you where you're at, too. He, he knows where your heart is. But, church, you can't use that as an excuse after 10 years or 8 years or even 5 years. You cannot use that as an excuse. God knows my heart. Come on. Come on. At the teaching we get here, you, you know you've got to go and Press forward. So see, how did he know their works by their, how did he know their condition by their works and actions? Okay, so, and I'm going to say it again. You can know the word of God, but you have to act on it when the rubber meets the road. Be a doer of the word. Okay, so something happened yesterday, and, you know, you feel bad. You kind of feel bad about, about things. And I thought, all I could think of was John 14, 15, that, do you really, if you really love me, you will obey my commands. And I went, oh, 
One of the commands is rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice, no matter how bad you feel. <laughs> so, so, see, see what I mean? So you kick yourself in the rear end if you can get your leg there. <laughs> and, and you go, okay, I'll rejoice. <laughs> and you know what? And so you, you start to be, you be nice and don't be mad. <laughs> see, this is, this is what I'm talking about. But see, but sometimes we just act in the flesh like we always did before we were born again. That's what I'm beginning to realize. Think of how many years I've been born again. <laughs> you're you're going to grow up faster than I did. <laughs> so see see what I mean though. You got to say no. I'm not going to I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to act this way. Act like a baby. Act like a you know. Uh, See, the cold are in blatant disobedience to God. They do not pretend to be something they are not. They're lost and not serving God, and they know it. The cold, okay? The hot. Those are those consumed with God. There's a lot more of those in this church, yeah. And, God, and because they are consumed with God, God fills their hearts and their being. And they, they know it, and so do, you know, so do other people. But Revelation 3, the, the end of that verse that I just read, 315, I wish you were cold or hot, God said. Now, why would Jesus say that to a church? Why doesn't he say, I wish you were hot? Obviously, see, their present condition between hot and cold is more objectionable to God than being cold or hot. <laughs> and what is, what is that condition between cold and hot? Yeah, shout it out. What is it? Lukewarm. Okay. You mean an all-out sitter or an... Uh, or an all-out backslider is in a better position than a so-called so-called church believer who never really believes when the rubber meets the road. <laughs> Verse 16. So because you are lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will spew you out of my mouth. Now, you know what it means in the Greek? It, it means to vomit. And it, it actually means you make me sick to my stomach. We make the Lord sick to his stomach. Oh. Now, I want, I want to tell you, just think, um, so, so what is lukewarm? It has too much hot to be cold and too much cold to be hot. <laughs> so it's a blend of cold and hot. And it has enough heat to blend in undetected with the hot. And it has enough cool to slip in unnoticed in the cold. 
Now, what you you okay? Think about lukewarm milk. Think about say you want hot tea, and it's lukewarm, or it's already gotten cold, or you want cold tea, and it's lukewarm. Ugh. Or uh, soda, you know, yuck. Or even water. Unless you're desperate for water, you'll drink any kind of water. <laughs> but, okay, lukewarm people become like whoever they are around. If they're around those people that are obedient to the Lord, to the Lord though, they can blend in. Do you see what I mean? F-A-C-K-E, rather. <laughs> Not F-A-C-K, F-A-C. <laughs> F-A-K-E, <laughs> I know how to spell. <laughs> so, but see, you, you can, <laughs> but they know, they know the scripture, uh -huh. sing the songs, and say the right statements, and cliches. Oh, praise the Lord. <laughs> it went around the world, though, then they blend in again, and they think, and they conduct their lives in a worldly manner or laugh at, you know, certain things. They should, Just all that. Selfishly, they obey God when it is pleasant or when it is in their best interests. But they're really motivated by their own desires. Well, Jesus said, I'll spew you out or vomit you out of my mouth. Now, why, why does a person even get sick to their stomach or vomit? Because our body can't digest or assimilate, right? It doesn't fit in. So see, that's why God says you don't fit in between. So Jesus is saying, I'm going to vomit you out of my, my body, my body, capital B-O-D-Y, my body of Christ. Those who say they belong to me, but really don't, I will spew them out. So the, the cold are not deceived, the hot are not deceived, but the lukewarm actually are deceived. You know, they, they think their condition is something other than it is. And at least the sinner knows he's not serving God. I mean, if he goes all the way to sin... You know what I mean? <laughs> but lukewarm people actually think they are. They think they're okay. And it's just like one foot in the world, one foot out of the world. One always in the flesh or operating with the flesh and not with the word. See, we need, see, they confess salvation by grace, but actually have fallen short of the grace they confess. So go to, uh, put up there, Hebrews 12, 15. And see, we will fall from grace by not being a doer of the word. Remember, I mean, I, why did God say to me, receive my grace? Please receive my grace. It's what I poured out on you when I died on the cross. Receive my grace and give me permission to heal you. 
I was just thinking about that because, see, this, there's so much more to just getting the surface of scriptures. Hebrews 12, 15. Let's, um, I didn't study this very good because I thought I was giving a different sermon. <laughs> well, let, let's actually start out. with verse uh, 14 of the King James. And it says, Follow peace with all men and holiness, without which no man shall see the Lord. Looking, let's keep going on, looking diligently lest any man fall of the grace of God. Sometimes we're not even receiving that grace. We're just... See, lest any root of bitterness spring up and trouble you, and thereby many be defiled. People get bitter at God. It's not his fault at all. Zero fault. Verse 16, lest there be any fornicator. What's a fornicator? No, a fornication is, is, is having a, actually sleeping with, with somebody that you're not married to. And it could, it could be somebody that's already married, or it could be neither one's married. That's fornication. Adultery is you're married and you're doing it. Okay. So, but we, we can fornicate with God. Do you know what I mean? By not following the word or being a doer of the word. Lest there be any fornicator or profane person as Esau who for one morsel of meat sold his birthright. Our birthright is the promises of God and what Jesus did for the cross on us. But when, when we're in the flesh, see, Esau was in the flesh. He came out from hunting, and his brother had made, made you know, this food. This, uh, it was, uh, what kind of soup? Lentil. lentil. <laughs> they had lentils in the, in the uh, food bank, I remember. <laughs> Lentils, yeah. Anyway, for, but anyway, okay, he sold out his birthright. His birthright was that he would be the one with the blessing because he was the firstborn. That's the way they did it. And he sold it out. He was so starved and hungry, he sold his birthright. He sold his blessing. <laughs> we are selling out our birthright from, from God when we are fornicating with God and only halfway in, halfway out. For you know that afterward when he would have inherited the blessing, he was rejected. For he found no place of repentance, though he sought it carefully with tears. So Esau, I put down here, Esau sold his birthright, his inheritance, to satisfy his flesh. Just that immediate flesh satisfied. And he did not inherit his father's goods. When we allow bitterness and unforgiveness, or we just operate in the flesh to, to satisfy our flesh or our bodies, to envelop our lives, we sell out our birthright 
or the promises of God, of healing, of finances, or, or when we walk out of love, same thing, unforgiveness, bitterness. You know what? Our faith is not working, and you're not going to get anywhere because your faith doesn't work. You know why? Because faith works by Faith works by love. Okay. <clears throat> so then, see, something happens in that, you know, somebody said something to you and the misunderstandings and, and you're mad at them? That's when the rubber meets the road. And that's why you've got to do what the Bible says. That's, those are the commands of God now. See, that's not necessarily the Ten Commandments that they're talking about, but if you observe those, you're going to do the, that too. But you walk in love. Yeah, you know, and you might even have feelings. Those are flesh feelings. Go down in your spirit and get, get there by the spirit. Okay. <clears throat> so, uh, so we fall from grace by not being doers of the word. <laughs> so this makes those kind of people more difficult to reach because, um, or what, you know, here, here's another one. Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. That, that's in Philippians 4.4. 4. Let your gentleness be made known to all men, for the Lord is at hand. And then it says, I say it this way, do not be anxious full of anxiety, fearful, worried, upset, <laughs> stressed out. I put all those in my Bible. In fact, let's, let's look at it or put it up there. Yeah, King James. You see, I've memorized it, and I'll say it to myself, wait a minute, you're being... Upset. I wasn't. Yeah. Anxiety, stress, all that stuff. Philippians 4 4. Huge in our life. First of all, it says rejoice in the Lord. Rejoice. Because you lost your joyce. <laughs> you lost your juice. <laughs> Rejoice in the Lord always. A bad. And again, I, again I say, whoops, I go out there. Oh, okay. Let, and then moderation means gentleness and kindness. Be made known to all the Lord is at hand. You know what? He never leaves us. The Holy Ghost lives in you all the time if you're born again. Now it says be careful for nothing. But that means don't be full of cares, anxiety, worry, stress, all that stuff. But in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And what happens? The peace of God which passes all understanding. You get rid of it. Amen. Shall mount and guard your heart in Christ Jesus. He'll do it because you're even trying. 
And finally, brethren, whatsoever things, and see, this is the best psychology scripture in the world. Whatever is true, what is truth? In John, the book, John 15, Jesus said, the word is truth. I am truth. Okay, so think on things that are true. That would be in the word of God. Not what just somebody said bad about you. Stop thinking back to old things. The past is the past at last. It's gone. You got to forget. Well, I remember when I've, I've done it. And then I, you can get sad. You can go from, <laughs> I, I've done it. You can't, don't go there. Please, God said, this, this is a command right here. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, that's the word of God. You are, you're the righteousness of God. You are, you're a, the head and not the tail, above and not beneath, blessed going in, blessed going out. Everything you said prospers. You're the lenders and not the borrowers. Uh, as God is, so are you in this world. Uh, greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. Even greater works than you do. Yeah, I have to repeat that to myself sometimes out loud, but see, know it. Say, Ma, God chose me. He loves me. He looks at me as redeemed. He looks at me through the blood of Jesus. See, get to know who you are in Christ, and this, you won't even, you won't even get backslidden, or you won't. So, whatever things are true, whatever things are honest, this is honesty, whatever things are just, you see, all that stuff bad about you is not just. Whatever things are pure, that yucky stuff. Like how mean they were. <laughs> Whatever things are lovely. See what I mean? Whatever things are of a good report. Not a bad report. And if there's any virtue and if there's any praise, think on these things. That is a command. You think on those things. You is the subject. Uh, so... That, that's huge. Okay, Revelation 17. Back to Revelation 3, 17. Mm -hmm. Well, that's where we were. And now we'll go out back to the Amplified. For you say, I am rich. I have prospered and grown wealthy, and I am in need of nothing. And you do not realize and understand that you are wretched, pitiable, poor, blind, and naked. <laughs> All right. So, without a doubt, these people believe that they're saved, they're secure, and they're on their way to heaven. And why should they repent? You see, not that not everyone who says they are saved by grace are saved, folks. That is a danger. Ooh, some say words, but see, there has to be fruit in your life. You could say, oh, Jesus, I receive you as my Lord and Savior, but there has to be fruit in your 
life. And there has to be action, being a doer. See, but some people get, they get saved and never read the Bible. They never meditate on it. I don't care what I've heard of people saying I can't read. I didn't really learn to read very good. I know in high school, they just pass you through. That doesn't make any difference. Those people get the Bible open and they read it. And I've seen them read. Smith Bigglesworth was one of them. He raised 20-some people from the dead after a while. His wife used to read him the Bible, and one day he said, he says, stop, give me that Bible. And he sat there and he read it himself. God, okay. See, oh man, doers of the word. You've you got to be a doer of the word. See, a true believer is not known by what he confesses, by, but by his fruit of obedience. Go to Matthew 7, 20. Uh, yeah. Every tree that brings not, well, the amplified, every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and cast into the fire. Therefore, you will fully know them by their fruits. Keep going. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Yikes, that's, that's huge. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name? They even prophesied. And driven out demons in their name? And done many mighty works in your name? They may have preached from the pulpit. They may have taught Sunday school. They may have done lots of things in the church. And I'll say to them openly and publicly, Ooh, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who act wickedly, disregarding my commands. Okay, so... You will not know who is or isn't a believer by what they profess, but by their submission to the Father's will. Submit. That's what I mean. You can know, like, submit to God. Resist. I am a Christian. Jesus is my Lord will be granted entrance into heaven, but not unless they obey my Father, the will of my Father. Okay, so, um, 
So a great number of people confess Jesus as Lord and pray a sinner's prayer. And many, you know what, many consider themselves even to be uh, Pentecostal or to be filled with the Holy Ghost. And even those who did miracles or cast out demons in my name will be shocked at the realization of their true condition on that day. See, see what I'm talking about, folks, quit messing around with just the... Halfway in, halfway out. You know why? Because Jesus is coming back soon. Now, see, this is what he told me to tell you. It was either this and the authority, which I did on Wednesday night. But I thought maybe more people. See, in, okay, here. In Numbers 24, Balaam was an Israelite. Balaam. And he was prayed to prophesy against Israel, and because of the money, he did it. He tried. And he was paid by some other guy, another, the king of another country, to put a curse on Israel because he was a prophet. But the Spirit of God came on him, and when he spoke, he prophesied for Israel, and he pronounced a blessing. Instead, he went, well, paid you that money. Give it back to me. You just blessed them. I mean, it's interesting when you read. See, that's a type and shadow of us, though. In other words, God, God, God is saying they'll expect an entrance to the kingdom of heaven only to hear me say, depart from me. You will live a life of lawlessness and disobedience to the will of God and to my word. So people who did wonders in Jesus' name had to have been saved at one time. And those who never profess salvation in his name cannot do supernatural works <laughs> in his name. See, in Acts 19, and we won't go there, but there were, um, Paul was casting out, or was Somebody else was, um, but they were, okay, they were ca casting out uh, demons and people, and they were exorcists. That's a bunch of baloney, like, like somebody came here, and they wanted a demon cast out of them, and I said, I can do that, <laughs> and they said, no, we got to go to a priest or, you know, because they saw movies and junk like that, an exorcist. And so this guy thought, well, Paul can do this. It was the seven sons of Sceva, or however you pronounce it. And, and, and they tried, and the demons made havoc on them. They even stripped them naked. And, Jesus, and, and, and the demons said, Jesus I know, and Paul I know, but who are you? <laughs> See, and God's going to say, could say that to us, though, too. Yeah, I didn't know. Non-believers are unable to cast out demons. And they may try by copying a believer or making a prophetic, a prophetic word. Now, Jesus was speaking to people who were denied entrance to heaven, though they had followed him at some point in their lives. 
So there's two groups who expect entrance, and they may be denied. Those who give their lives to Jesus for selfish reasons. Because or they give their lives to Jesus because somebody's, you know, hanging them on all the time, and, and, you know, it's like, so they give their lives to Jesus just to get rid of them. Or for selfish reasons, because there's some kind of a gain in it. See, they're more interested in the blessing than the blesser. And many fall because of cares, riches, and the pleasures of life, which choke out their faith. Hey, and that's, that's the sower sows the word. In fact, go to uh, Luke 8, 11 through 15. Luke 8. Let's use the Amplified. And they were talking about the sower went out to sow and so forth. And the seed is the word of God. Right now, you're getting the seed of the word of God. Those along the traveled road were the people who have heard, past tense. Luke tells it a little bit different than Mark 4. Then the devil comes and carries away the message out of their hearts that they may not believe or acknowledge me as their savior and devote themselves to me and be saved here and hereafter. Those on the rock are the people who, when they hear the word, receive and welcome it with joy, but they have no root because they never get into the word themselves. They never have their time with the word or a, a time with God and, and worship him and talk to him or, you know, just have time with God. They do not stay full. Oh, this is good stuff, but they have, there's no root there if you don't ever go away from church and have time with God. And they believe for a while, and then when trials and temptations come, they fall away and just go back to the flesh or handle it in the flesh, and they withdraw and stand aloof. And as for what fell among the thorns, these are the people who hear. But then after maybe 40 years, <laughs> see, and that's what you got to be careful. They go on their way, and they think, ah, oh, you know, hey, I'd just like to have some of that stuff that those, you know, rich people do and all that stuff. <laughs> They're choked and suffocate. Well, or else all these things happen, and, you know, there's a lot of stuff happening in our, in our world now. And they're choked by the anxieties. They're choked by the fear and all the, the stuff. And the, I mean, I, I don't know, some of you have heard some of the banks closed up, you know, got the money, and, and uh, it's not going to be backed by the insurance. And uh, no, I'm not, I'm not, I'm trying to scare you, but see, this is where you got to trust in the Lord. And there's this going on and that going on, and, and Trump's going to be arrested Tuesday for some stupid stuff. And see, I mean, you know what? 
there's just, just a whole bunch of junk happening. It's starting to roll in again. Doesn't side. Yeah, it is. It, it's, I mean, that's where do I trust in the Lord with all my heart. Okay. And uh, verse 14, as for what fell among the thorns, they hear, but they go on their way. They're choked and suffocated with anxieties and cares and riches and pleasures in life. And their fruit does not ripen or come to maturity and perfection. Verse 15, but as for that seed in the good soil, these are the people who hearing the word, they hold it fast. They hold fast to it in a just, noble, virtuous, and worthy heart and steadily bring forth fruit with patience. And see, that, that's so true. Those who convert with sincere motives, but they actually lose their salvation. What? Now, some people will disagree with that. I'll show you something. Now, they walk away from obedience to the lordship. And the problem with the first group... Okay, I'm almost done. The problem with the first group is that those who give, they give to Jesus or, or act like they really love him for selfish reasons. They accept salvation, but they never come to know the heart of God. They only go as far as his provision. And they seek him for their benefit. Their service is self-motivated and not love-motivated. See, when you love God, you want to do everything. You went, ah, just give me, let me at it. <laughs> Jesus said to them, I never knew you. I never knew you intimately. 1 Corinthians 8.3 says, you don't have to turn there, but listen. But if anyone loves God, this one is known by God. In the Greek, genasko, it means intimacy intercourse with God. I mean, knowing him that much. You are one spirit with him. You are one with him. I mean, it says all of that anyway. I see they, they didn't lay down their lives for him because, oh, my, I might get too tired or might be just a little too much, might cost too much. Only those... But those who do lay down their life for him are those who can keep his word. Remember, John 14, 24 says, He who does not love me does not keep my words. <laughs> See, the, <laughs> the true evidence of love for Jesus is not what is said, but what is lived. And those who are not submitted to God's authority do not really love him. People know about God. And see, that was my protest. Forty years at a denominational church, and I knew about God. And then all of a sudden, I, I came into this salvation thing, and I knew God. 
was totally different. You know, it's, it's just like we know about, about uh, movie stars, we know about athletes, we know about all these big people, but do you know them well enough to invite them over to your house? No. But see, I know you and I could invite, you know what I mean? That, that's, that's the difference. You, you know people intimately. A prime example was Judas Iscariot. He did everything the other disciples did. Judas Iscariot. But his motives were never right. Judas Iscariot. And many are like Judas. They make sacrifices for ministry, which he did. He even preached the gospel, operated in the gifts. Jesus washed his feet. But they never intimately know Jesus. And all their labor was stimulated by self-serving motives. In Luke 6, 46, it says, why do you, in fact, go there. Luke 46, 46. You should be. Good. Uh, this time go in the King. Oh, it doesn't make any difference. Whatever you want. What'd you put up there? Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not practice what I tell you? For everyone who comes to me and listens to my words in order to heed their teaching and does my words, I'll show you what he's like. He is like a man building a house who dug and went down deep and laid a foundation upon the rock. See, you've been in the Word, so you've got a strong foundation. When something happens, you're strong. And when a flood arose, the torrent broke against that house, but it could not shake or move it because it had been securely built or founded on a rock. So you've got to get into Word by yourself. But he... Go on. Who merely hears and does not practice doing my words is like a man who built a house on the ground without a foundation against which the torrent burst, the water burst, and immediately it collapsed and fell, and the breaking and ruin of that house was great. <laughs> so Jesus meant there would be those who confess him as Lord, but do not follow him as their supreme authority. And they live in a manner that does not support what they confessed. They, ob they obey the will of God as long as it does not conflict with the desires of their own heart. And if the will of God starts taking them in a different direction than they desire, they choose their own path and yet call Jesus Lord. And see, God has a plan for everybody, and in that plan is all the money you're going to need. You follow that plan of God, man, you got it. It's, it's all the way, you know what? It is. Oh, gosh. Oh, boy. Got so many. Okay, I, I don't know. Okay, Matthew 16, 24 through 27. 
Oh, you did. Yeah, you. He knows that whole Bible part. I, I don't get it. I got to look everything up. Yeah, I know. Yeah, but there's something. There's something. It's like you got a, what do you call those memories? You look at something and almost like a photographic. And yet, yeah, you're hungry. No, I know. I know you don't. I'm glad you don't. <laughs> yeah, in school he was like. <laughs> then Jesus said to his disciples, if anyone desires to be my disciple or disciplined follower, let him deny himself, disregard, lose sight of, and forget himself in his own interest. Oh, but my hip hurts. <laughs> Talking about you know, see, stuff like that can can throw you off, and 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 you don't. Uh, but you, then you've got to get back into it, regardless. I've been there, done that, are tough on myself. Quit babying yourself. You kidding? I had a splitting headache this morning, but here I am. <laughs> I'm not gonna miss out. See, deny. I mean. Just don't baby yourself and stuff goes away. <laughs> you have to lose sight of yourself. Forget yourself and your own interests. Take up your cross and follow me. You know what? But it's in the long run, it's a lot more fun. And a lot, oh my gosh, but that's not all. There's blessings. And even monetarily, there's blessing. Cleave steadfastly to me. Conform wholly to my example in living, and if need be, in dying also. For whoever is bent on saving his temporal life here, his comfort and his security here, shall lose it, shall lose eternal life. And whoever loses his life, his comfort and security here, for my sake, shall find it. Life everlasting, but the whole thing is, you get blessed even in this life. <laughs> For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his life, his blessed life in the kingdom of God? Or what would a man give as an exchange for his blessed life in the kingdom of God? For the Son of Man is going to come in the glory and majesty and splendor of his father with his angels, and he will render account and reward every man in accordance with what he has done about the plan of God that he had for your life. It's not just to go to work and get some job and then, then retire and not do nothing. He's got a plan. And maybe that plan should have been done way back. He's got a plan for you, and it's a good plan. It's a rich plan. He'll take care of all your needs. Man. So see, just desiring to lose your life is not enough. You, got, you must actually lose it. <laughs> and you can make a lot of converts by telling them the benefits of the health and the prosperity and all that stuff. But you, but you cannot bypass repentance. Repentance makes you realize what God has done for you on the cross. 
And it makes you realize his mercy and compassion. But first, let me give you, because people will argue and say, nope, once saved, I'm always saved. Okay. Go to, I want, I want to give you all the scriptures. Okay. Psalm 26, verse 8. I just found that the other day. Maybe I got the. How come I got? The, I must have the wrong thing. Hmm, that was wrong. Twenty-six eight. I must have written it down wrong. Oh well. What did you say it was, Ken? Harp. Okay. Sixty-nine twenty-eight. 6928. Mm -hmm. 69, 28. Yeah, 6928. We got it. Okay. Okay, so let's go to verse, uh, yeah, go to verse 27 first. Um, let one unforgiven, unforgiven perverseness and iniquity accumulate upon another for them in your book. And let them not come unto your righteousness or be justified and acquitted by you. Let them be blotted out of the book of the living and the book of life and not be enrolled among the uncompromisingly righteous, those upright and right standing with God. Okay, I think there's one in 50 verse 2. I hope I didn't write that one wrong too. No, 50, wait a minute, 2. I don't know where I got those two scriptures from. Okay, but anyway, here, I know these are right. Revelation 3, 5. <laughs> these are right for sure. <laughs> Three, five. Thus shall he who conquers is victorious be clad in white garments, and I will not erase or blot out his name from the book of life. I will acknowledge him as mine and confess his name openly before my father and his angels. So see, if he said that, then there are certain ones that he must block out. Okay, Revelation 20, verse 12. And I saw the dead, oh, did you get it up there yet? Okay, I saw the dead, great and small, and they stood before the throne, and books were opened. Then another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged and sentenced by what they had done, their whole way of feeling and acting, their aims 
and endeavors in accordance with what was recorded in the books. Okay, verse 15, that same one. Let me read, read this whole thing. Verse 13. And the sea delivered up the dead who were in it, death and Hades, the state of death or disembodied existence, surrendered the dead in them, everyone that was in the sea or whatever, and all were tried, and their cases determined by what they had done according to their motives, aims, and works. Then death and Hades, the state of death or disembodied existence, were thrown into the lake of fire. This is the second death, the lake of fire. And if anyone's, verse 15, if anyone's name was not found or recorded in the book of life, he was hurled into the lake of fire. There's a book of life. Uh, 21 verse 21 8. Wow. That says it all. Oh, yeah. Well, it is, but let's, we're looking. We'll go, go to verse 21 27 right now. But nothing that defiles or profanes or is unwashed shall ever enter into. Uh, Anyway, the new Jerusalem. Nor anyone who commits abominations, unclean, detestable, morally repugnant things, or practices falsehood, but only those whose names are recorded in the Lamb's book of life. So that one, one verse, uh, wait, let me see something. Okay, Exodus 32, 32. And you can just listen if you want. Yet now, if you will forgive their sins, and if not, blot me, I pray you, out of your book which you have written. Moses said that to the Lord when he was interceding for the Israelites. Just think. He already knew that there was a book of life. So your name's written in there, but it can be blotted out. So you can't, I mean, there's, there's stuff out there that says once you're saved, you're always saved. And people say, well, I took Jesus as my Lord and Savior, never did a doggone thing, never looked in the Bible, you know, just lived in the flesh. And anyway, so there is a, there's a price to pay to serve God. And many people think, well, I'm covered by grace. See, and that's that grace teaching out there, sloppy agape, <laughs> not sloppy agape, no, but sloppy grace. But it's just that everything is, it's, you got to know who you are in Christ, but you also got to know that, that you, you have to go all the way with God. Amen. See, but grace is not extended without being in faith. And when you do not know God intimately, there's, it's impossible to operate in faith. It's impossible. It really is. So see, you know, we need to ask ourselves today, do we really know him? 
Well, it is. I mean, it's obvious that he is. Uh, did we? John 12, 25 and 26. He who loves his life will lose it. And he who hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. If anyone serves me, let him follow me. And where I am, there my servant will be also. And if anyone serves me, him will my father honor. But see, if anyone serves me, where he is, he is in this church. <laughs> and I'm just going to say, because I, 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 I wouldn't, if he weren't, I'm just going to go back to where I was. And being a Jadam, I mean, see, do you read, but do we really know God? Remember, enough to invite him in <laughs> over for supper. <laughs> because we know about those movie stars and all those people. Do you see the difference? And that's what I saw when I was just, Christianity wasn't real. And do you really love him? And this is another thing. When you really love somebody, you don't want to hurt them. I... I how could you say GD? <laughs> oh, that would just go like a sword in your spirit if you really love God. And when you love somebody, you don't want to hurt them. You know, husbands love their wives, wives love their husband, mothers and fathers love their children, and you don't want to, you don't want to hurt them. See, so guard your heart from the world, from worldly, from worldly thinking, and deliberately repent when something happens. Get mad at somebody, somebody says something to you, repent to the Lord for even going there, even if it was against you. See, meditate on God's mercy and compassion. We sang about it. He is very compassionate and very merciful, and mercy precedes judgment. Don't be an accuser of the brethren. Don't judge people. Ooh, that's so, because God's the only one who can judge people. See, but the only, and this is another thing, the only way you can get to know somebody is to spend time with them. I mean, <laughs> say, say, Luis, you find a, a girl, and you say, oh, that's the girl I want to marry. So you never ask her out. You never spend time with her. <laughs> you think you're going to wind up with her? I doubt it. <laughs> Maybe you don't really know her. Maybe once you get to know her, you don't want her. <laughs> you know? <laughs> but it takes discipline. But see, discipline... If, you, if, if it was a girlfriend, it, you know, it wouldn't take that much discipline to go out. <laughs> but we need discipline to, to speak to our Lord, you know, and effort. It just, just, it, and you know, they say to, to pray all day, it's just that you're talking to God all day long. That's all. You go on with your way and laugh in the kitchen and like you guys do and do silly stuff and you know what? But God's in it. 
You know, we have we have a set of uh, of their DVD or what do you call it? VCR. Yeah. Okay. And they actually uh, is it the book of Matthew? No, I don't think we have all four of the Gospels. But the, the, he's actually, Jesus is live, and they acted it out. And they're actually speaking from the King James. But it makes you just really, I mean, and there was one scene in there. It was kind of cute. They were, you know, their whole day was done, and it was dark. And, and he he's kind of wrestles around with them. Yeah, wrestles with the disciples. <laughs> and, you know, just, you know, with joy. You know, so... You know, this this is just something to really to to look at. I don't know if, um, and maybe if we we just took five minutes here, and is there something you could play? You don't know. I surrender all. I surrender all. I surrender all for. We can put it on a CD. Yeah, and I mean, just just in your, just I really think after going through all this, we need to just even if you just sit in your seat, come up here. You know, by the way, you're always welcome to the altar, always during praise and worship too. Yeah, just I mean, just don't go beyond up there, <laughs> beyond a certain point. <laughs> but um, I can't think of another song, can you? <laughs> huh? Yeah, I thought I was thinking of that when you were singing it. John, you could sing nothing in this world compares to God. You know what, when you sang it, I thought that would be a good one if I do that sermon. <laughs> I wasn't sure at that point. <laughs> yeah, it goes right with it. Just go play nothing in this world. And if you want to come and just, you know, you want to come to the altar, fine. You know what? I cannot, it, because of uh, cement and, and rods in here, I can't, it hurts me. To, but I want to kneel so bad. Ooh. It's, it's, a, it's a way of humility. You know what? So anyway, you know, just, just make this meaningful. And talk to God. Just put your head down. Pray by your, you can kneel by your chair if you want. You don't have to kneel. Believe me, I would be on my knees. And you know, sometimes we're restless. You could even be opening and closing the refrigerator or the cupboard doors or, you know, you really don't want anything to eat, but you just don't know. And usually it's that you need to get into the Word <laughs> or just have a time with the Lord. <laughs> it says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. And, you know, the door handle, I heard a preacher say, and I've always kept this. Uh, the door handle is inside your heart. So you got to open it up for him. He can't open it. There is none on the outside for him. 
You've got to want him. And, you know, then I heard another Mark Brzee who is, who just is, uh, has a ministry just as big as Mark Hankins and, and Keith Moore and all those. They all graduated together. He's in Tulsa and also in foreign countries. But he said, if you feel like your hunger's slipping, he said, just say, God, I have, I, give me back that hunger. I, gotta, I want a hunger for 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 you. Make me hungry. I'm asking you to make me hungry. You know, and let him show you those things. Because I tell you what, Jesus' Jesus's return is imminent. And I've never seen anything like this. Oh, if you haven't been keeping up, I mean, everything we thought we would be already raptured. Everything that's happening, I thought we'd be gone when a lot of this stuff happened. Whew. And we're in it. But that's because he's, we're getting proved. Who, who are those? See, and I, nobody wants, don't, it's not the time to backslide or just let it go. Soon, soon it'll be summer, and see, even the summer sun can distract you from that. Just, just keep him in mind like you've never kept him in mind before. Watch out, I mean, who you even hang around with. It's, it's dangerous. <laughs> yeah, it is. Because they'll make you, might say something, make you think. I mean, even if it's a relative and it isn't fun, be nice to them and stuff and, you know, pray for them because you want them to come in. But, but don't hang around so long. You'd be surprised how much you're getting influenced. I've, I've seen it myself. But just start praying and see that that thing with authority. I'll get to that sermon on a Sunday, so those of you who haven't heard it, because it's, it's important. <laughs> but I'm not going to give that same sermon. It'll be different because I show you more how to get into authority. I had it here today. But uh, it's important. Ugh, like never before. You know, and some of the things you think are okay, compromising with, it's not. Sometimes you've got to discipline younger people and to just, see, that's it. If you don't, if you really love people, then you'll show them the right way or tell them the truth. And so, Father, we thank you. We thank you for the word of God today that it will not return void and in the fruit will remain. It will not return void, but will accomplish what we please and prosper in the thing for which we sent it. And we thank you, Father, that all of us will go a step higher and a step higher and a step higher and, and just climb that ladder to the top and press forward to the mark of the high call of God and what his plan is for us. The plan, even in these last days.
We thank you, Father, that we put you first place in love. We love you more than any spouse, than any child, than any animal, <laughs> than any hobby, than anything, than money. We love you more. And that we check ourselves and look, is that really true? By the way we handle things when something happens with money, with people. We praise and thank you, Father, to give us wisdom. You said if we ask for wisdom that you give it to us liberally and upbraid not, and that you will lead us and guide us. And I thank you, Father, that we hear the voice of the good shepherd and the voice of strangers and other people of influence. We do not follow, but we follow the voice of the good shepherd. And we know that that voice is coming through the Holy Spirit, who is our advocate, our comforter, our counselor, our our helper, our intercessor, our strengthener, and our standby. And that he'll do it all when we look to him because he lives inside of us. Thank you, Father, that you give us the grace and we receive that grace and give you permission to help us to overcome bad habits in our lives, things that not necessarily are even sin, but they're distractions, and they're harmful to us. They're distractions. And that you help us to overcome those things and show us things that maybe we're not even aware of that we need to change. We thank you and pr praise you, Lord God, with all our heart. In the name of Jesus, now sing. All my life he's been faithful <laughs> with gusto. If you don't mind. From the moment that I went. 